0: Welcome to the morning news podcast for Tuesday, March 31st. We begin with your COVID-19 questions infectious disease expert dr. Craig Janney answers some of the most common coronavirus questions as sent in by you the listener
1: next we look at the questions our kids have surrounding the pandemic global news senior correspondent Jeff semple spoke with children about the crisis and helps parents with some kid-friendly answers kids should be heading back to school following
0: spring break we'll look at the impact of the new online schooling we'll have on students with learning disabilities
1: don't trust everything you see we'll catch up with the Alberta Securities Commission with details on a new scam that It's targeting people looking for work and get some advice for the red flags you should be aware of when you're searching for a job online.
0: Speaking of jobs, we get details on a new Ipsos poll that shows people across the globe are worried about job security during the COVID-19 pandemic. Sean Simpson, president of Ipsos, has the staggering numbers.
1: 709. We've been getting calls, texts, emails over the past few weeks asking for answers to COVID-19 questions. So we've brought in an expert to help. Joining us is Associate Professor, Department of Microbiology, Immunology and Infectious Diseases at the U of C, Dr. Craig Janney. Good morning, doctor. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us once again. Are you ready? I think so. Okay, good. We've got lots of questions, so we're, we're hoping for fairly short or just yes or no answers so we can try to get through as many of our texters and listeners' questions. Here we go. We'll start with this one because we've been kind of, you know, laughing a little bit about it. But does shooting the hot blow dryer air up your nose kill the virus? Uh,
2: no evidence of that at all.
1: No evidence whatsoever.
2: No. If anything, you might push it a little deeper. <laughs>
0: And it would hurt, okay? Let's yeah, talk yeah. about the heat of some of those. Okay, I've got another one for you. What if I drink warm water? Because we're hearing if you drink, if you get a tickle in your throat and you're starting to get a sore throat, that could be a sign, apparently. And if you just drown it with warm water, it'll go down to your stomach and the bacteria in your stomach will kill the virus. True or false?
2: Yeah, probably not either. If you're feeling anything already in the throat, you're likely already infected.
1: Uh, Dr. Janney, do we wash our cloth grocery bags? Will that help us from moving the virus from one place to another?
2: Health, it's even better the recommendation right now is just to to use the disposable bags at this point so you're not bringing a virus back into a store
0: okay so if, if i've if i've uh, d- taken my bag and i've disposed of it after from the grocery store to the disposable one and i've got a box of kd craft dinner yep. in that bag is that uh, should i be sanitizing that box of craft dinner that i grabbed off the shelf
2: simple answer is if you're not using it in the first couple of days it'll be fine so after two or three days on the shelf any virus on that surface will be dead anything you're using immediately it doesn't hurt to give it a quick wipe down or for example Katie, dump it in the pot throw out the box and then wash your hands
1: what about uh, fruits and veggies should be washing those with soap when we bring them home
2: Yeah, so uh, you can wash uh, twice in just regular water, or there are some recommendations. Um, Harvard put out a study, really mild, really dilute detergent, and then wash really well again afterwards to get the soap off. Um, So lots of water, uh, but you can use a mild detergent if you're really worried.
0: If I still have to leave the house for work or I've been to the gas station or grocery store and I come into the house... And, uh, you know, the clothes that I'm wearing or were the ones I was wearing out, well, hopefully I was wearing clothes when I was out and about. (laughs) Should I change my clothes as soon as I get home?
2: If you think you've been exposed, if you think there's a high risk that you've come in contact with, contaminated surfaces go ahead and wash them we know that the virus is really susceptible to to pretty much all soaps so one quick wash your clothes will be perfectly fine if it's just everyday life more washing your hands is important than washing the clothes uh
1: so dish soap hand soap both the same both okay. will kill yeah, the virus
2: yeah so uh keep in mind uh, you, you want to use something that's not damaging your hands either you're going to be washing your hands a lot so don't let them dry out don't let them get cracked so you know Use a nice soap if possible, but the virus is really susceptible to all soaps.
0: Here's one uh, from the texters. Uh, Hello, I just about died in 2009 from H1N1. I was airlifted to Foothills Hospital, put in an 18-day coma, suffered respiratory failure, double pneumonia, went through endless surgeries, and barely made it out alive. So my question is, am I at risk of contracting the coronavirus? I have fully recovered from H1N1 and have been living my day-to-day life as a regular human being.
2: Uh, it's really hard to say Uh, if day-to-day life and fully recovered uh, you're not in any other risk group I i would believe you'd be the same as anybody else in the public but we still don't know enough about this virus if there are certain people with genetic backgrounds that are more susceptible or not
1: dr janney if someone with the virus on their hands makes me a sandwich or cooks food for me and touches the food am i at risk when i eat it
2: So cooked food, probably not a sandwich. The real risk is not eating the virus, but touching something that they've touched. If they have virus and then you touch it and then touch your mouth, there is a chance of infection. So we are recommending if you get takeout, anything like that, to remove the outer wrapping. Really, for the cooked material, put it on your own plate, throw out the box, throw out the bag, and then wash your hands before eating.
1: What if I microwave the food? Does that kill it?
2: looks like it, it will we, we've not got direct evidence but the virus is not uh, heat resistant. so if you're steaming things, boiling things you know getting it good and hot, the virus will be dead.
0: okay Can I uh, from the text line can I shovel snow if I'm on the 14day self- quarantine?
2: Uh, It's a great question. If you are on a self-quarantine, then yes, uh, or self-isolation. If, however, you are now requested to be at home because of the Quarantine Act, so somebody entering Canada now, they are not allowed out of their house. So you're not allowed to go for a walk you're not allowed to be out where you could contact another person so the quarantine is different than the self-isolation people returning to canada crossing the border at this point are asked to stay indoors and basically removed entirely from the community for those 14 days
1: okay here's kind of a related question is somebody saying you know we live in a cul-de-sac if different families have been self-isolating for a full 14 days Can they then intermingle? Can the kids play together knowing that they've been 14 days apart?
2: So the technical question would be yes. Um... The hard part is remembering, honestly, identifying if you fully self-isolated. So we've had a lot of people that have, for example, gone to work and come home and gone to work and come home, but never gone to shop, never gone in that's not self-isolating. Mm-hmm. So if they've had any contact at all outside of those groups in the 14 days, that 14-day clock resets.
1: Okay. Wow.
2: So it's very difficult. The recommendation is simply not to, and we're seeing increased provincial uh, Restrictions on the number of people that could be in a group, whether you're infected or not, so it, it's a bit touchy. But it, technically, if you've all been fully isolated, then you're safe to to associate.
1: But the clock resets the second someone goes outside and yeah. intermingles with anyone you, or anything. You
2: go out and buy milk again and come home. That entire household now is reset at, okay. at a new 14-day clock.
0: What are my chances of getting COVID-19 outside walking? I do my best to keep good distance. I also have a. Uh, dog. Uh, uh, I also have dog people stop and pet. So if, if you have a dog uh, with you and people might want to pet that dog and you're keeping your distance, how does that work?
2: safe we're encouraging people to get out and do exactly that go for a walk just maintain your social distance there's no evidence yet that the dog can get infected and give that back to a person so there are a couple cases where it looks like pets have been infected but we've never seen a pet give a a, a human uh the infection at this point so i would say that that's very safe and actually encouraged get out and go for a walk
1: not in the mouth not nor on the animal's fur
0: yes that's right okay Okay, let's get another one here.
1: If you only have one symptom, are you necessarily sick, or do you always have to have all of them?
2: So there is the uh, provincial assessment tool, and I went and just tried it a couple times, and it looks like for many of these symptoms, a single symptom is enough to recommend self-isolation. So, for example, a cough would, on its own would be enough to recommend self-isolation.
0: Dr. Jenny, uh, uh, questions keep coming in on the text line. Can we take a quick break and uh, steal you for sure, a couple more minutes? Of course. Excellent. Dr. Craig Jenny, infectious di- disease specialist.
1: He'll be right back. 718, Dr. Craig Jenny remains with us. He is an associate professor at the Department of Microbiology, Immunology, and Infectious Diseases at the U of C. Thanks for sticking around with us. So many questions continue to roll in. So, another one for you. Should we be wearing rubber gloves when we go out, like to the grocery store?
2: Uh, So the the evidence is is actually quite weak that they're really protective. So you're never going to catch the virus through your hands. The the risk is then you touch your face. And if you're wearing gloves and then still touch your face, uh, you've really defeated the purpose. There's also a risk of actually becoming uh, contaminated or or infected if you take the gloves off improperly. So if you're not removing them well, uh, you'll still... Pick up the virus on your hands, and if you touch your face, if you can avoid touching your face, then they, they can work. You can touch things; they're a little easier to clean. Uh, they're a reminder not to touch your face if you are aware of it. Um, so, the camp is really missed, but they're by no means a, a silver bullet in protection.
1: Plus, don't be a pig and drop them on the ground at the grocery <laughs> yeah, that, store, that, right? That yeah. Okay, and I've seen people wearing them from
0: the gas station to the grocery store to this store, and it's yeah. like, well, you know, okay. How can you tell the difference between COVID and allergies?
2: Oh, that's a great question, and and unfortunately, with many of these respiratory problems, really tough to differentiate. The big thing with COVID is it will continue to get worse if you require medical care. So we actually believe there's a large number of people in the community that have really mild symptoms that, that might even just think something's up for two or three days and then fully recover. So in that case, they might have the the, the virus, but they don't need treatment. Uh, If you have allergies, it can easily be confusing. However, if it progresses, if it gets worse, especially if you get hard to breathe and or cough, uh, scratchy throat, that's the time to seek help.
1: Doctor, I have lots of people tell me, you know, you don't see coronavirus in countries that are really hot. So is there any truth to that? Can the virus live in hot or will it just die this summer when the weather warms up?
2: Still learning. Right now, uh, the evidence I'm seeing is that it's going to take a lot to kill this off. So it might die in, in extreme summer climates, but we have seen this virus at, at the same point in time here in Canada, he, uh, in Australia, in northern Italy, in Spain, and in China. So it seems to be able to adjust to below zero to plus 26, 27 degrees Celsius. So it's really hard to say whether summer will slow it, but it doesn't look like it would be an absolute fire stop.
0: If I'm walking down the grocery store aisle and somebody walks closely to me, uh, not the six feet apart, and I hold my breath, does that help?
2: Uh, <laughs> possibly. Uh, I mean, the, the real risk is that we also know that six feet apart, if they're coughing, if they're sneezing, there will be virus in the air. Um You know, it's going to be impossible to live life without passing somebody. Um, The best we can do is is avoid it whenever possible and and just minimize the risk of exposure. But I I know exactly what they're saying. I've been uh, to pick up groceries and, and yeah, it's impossible to to 100% maintain that six feet of separation.
1: How do you know when you're cured of COVID-19? If you don't have symptoms after 14 days, can you still be contagious? And can you get it again?
2: So the the second part looks like you're at least protected from getting it again in the short term. We don't know how long this memory lasts, but it does look like people that have recovered have really good immune memory to this. Maybe it's only for a year, maybe it's for five years. We don't know that yet, but we do believe that if you've had it, you cannot get it again right away. Um, How do you know you're you're cured? Mm -hmm. Right now, provinces are using uh, the recommendation of... uh, a fixed period of time i believe it's 10 days after the, the 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 uh end of symptoms we haven't been testing people anymore based on that simply because there are a lot of people recovering and it's more important to use the test elsewhere um but it does look like that after a number of days after infection so you know up to a week or so it's safe to then re-enter the community um, you may still have traces of the virus but you're not actively shedding
0: what effect does mouthwash have on the virus <laughs>
2: probably i don't know i haven't seen the studies on that probably very good at killing it uh in your mouth but it's not going to save your nose or the back of your airways i'm hoping most people are not getting uh, mouthwash in their airways
1: good question good answer okay and just one quick last one are we running out of test kits or do we have lots here in canada
2: lots here in Canada. I think really what it's boiling down to is the value in individual testing is dropping. As this becomes established in our communities there's a lot less question whether somebody has it or not. So if you have the symptoms and we know that there's hundreds of cases in the community, we sort of go with the assumption you have it. We're reserving the test kits for people that have direct patient contact that are in the hospital or that really have a true question, underlying disease, something like that. For the healthy individual we just assume that if you have the symptoms there are so many cases now that you've got the disease.
1: Thank you so much, Dr. Janney. You answered so many questions. We really appreciate your time. I'm happy to help. Thank you so much. Dr. Craig Janney is an associate prof at the Microbiology, Immunology, and Infectious Disease section at the UFC.
0: Well, you know, earlier on the morning news, we answered uh, questions from adults about COVID-19, but this time around, we're going to get some help answering kids' questions about the virus. Joining us is Global's senior correspondent, Jeff Semple. Good morning, Jeff. Hi, good morning. Great to be with you guys. Good to have you. So we have legit questions written by kids. Is that right? These are really written by the children. Is that right? Oh, yeah. They're written by the
3: children. And actually, in most cases, they were videos sent in <laughs> by the kids. So the parents couldn't try and sneak them in there. Yeah. So we've got <laughs> a lot of videos uh Pretty adorable stuff. And, you know, as as any parent knows, kids ask a lot of questions, but often really good questions. Mm-hmm. Questions that maybe mom or dad didn't think of or were too embarrassed to ask. So, uh, yeah, we got a few of those and uh, we put them to the experts.
1: Okay, so shall we ask you the kids' questions and you're going to answer them for us?
3: <laughs> sure. Okay, yeah. good. Okay, well, so to.
1: curious about this one. The playgrounds closed and I know kids are thinking this all over the place. Why am I not being able to play on the playgrounds? Why can't I go back to school? And that's yeah, all I that's, have to say. That's what that kid said.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's what that kid said. Yeah, I've heard that one. That's it. That's all I have to say. That's and he it. sort of signs off from there. Yeah. Uh, and that's, a, I mean, that's a great question. A common one, of course, because playground schools being closed right across the country. And of course, you know, we know that a lot of people are sick. We're trying to keep other people from getting sick, too. Mm-hmm. And if you can imagine a playground full of kids, um, you think maybe one of those kids might be sick and say they sneeze really close to you or even if they were to cough on the slide, for example, and then you came along and you touched the slide with your hand and then you rubbed your eyes, then you would get sick too. Uh, so, and we've heard a lot from health experts. So basically really smart grownups who study viruses all the time. And they say that closing playgrounds and closing schools in particular, is one of the best things that we can do to help prevent other people from getting sick.
0: And we know that kids have uh, not, a, not very uh, much reserve when it comes to patients. So, this is where the next uh, question comes from. How many minutes are we going to be home, and how long till we can go to our friend's house and grandma's house again?
1: Okay, Jeff, how yeah. many minutes? Can you answer that? Exactly, yeah. I, unfortunately, I <laughs> haven't seconds, done the math.
3: I <laughs> yeah, exactly. I haven't done the math, but its I'm sorry to say it's a lot of minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, probably better to count uh, the weeks at this point, I'm afraid, uh, in terms of just like how long are we all going to be stuck at home and not able to go to our friend's house. Um, you know, and it's a tough one. I mean, nobody has the clear answer to that at this point. We have talked to some of those health experts, those really smart grown-ups who are, you know, one of them in particular, a leading doctor in Toronto saying, to me last night that he thinks you know maybe six weeks give or take at this point that we'll all sort of still have to remain in this kind of state of lockdown Um, so but of course a lot of that depends on on how how we respond and if we all do our part to try and keep other people from getting sick and you know asking about how long till we go to grandma's house well I think it's important to remember that you know we're doing this for grandma Mm -hmm. and for grandpa we're particularly concerned about grandparents they're a high risk group so you know it's It's important to to do our part to help make sure that they don't get sick.
1: And that is a good answer, right? It's, you know, how long will it last? Well, as long as we can all stay in our homes and do what we're supposed to do to try and slow this thing down, right?
3: Yeah, I mean, so much depends on that, right? We've heard so much about flattening the curve. Uh, which is, um, you know, basically, if you think of the number of cases in Canada as a line that keeps going up, and we are now hoping that to, to sort of slow that increase so that the line is more of a curve, and we can kind of flatten the curve and the number of cases. And basically, that allows our hospitals to keep up, it allows health officials to keep up, and it helps to sort of slow the spread of the disease. And that, I think, is our, our best hope at this point. And as we've heard, you know, this is an important week. I mean, what we do this week and the next couple of weeks could, could make, the, make all the difference and to try and keep this as short as possible so that we can go visit our friends as
0: soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Okay, this one here could have been written uh, out of my house with my tween. Um, I'm super bored at home. <laughs> I want to go get some art supplies. Is it safe for me to go with my mom to the stores?
3: yeah a lot of us are feeling super bored, I think, and it's a great question, right because you know how what better way to pass the time maybe you just pop out to the store quickly, get some new toys or new art supplies uh but you know health experts are are really asking us not to do that unless we absolutely have to and that's because you know even a quick quick trip out to the store maybe you touch a few things along the way and then you forget and you touch your eye or you you know you eat something before you wash your hands and then suddenly you can get sick and then you can pass that sickness on to other people in your family and of course we don't want that so at this point you know best to try and stay indoors or even in your backyard or your driveway just to try and stay away from other people if you can for at this point let mom or dad maybe pop out to the grocery store to get food and other things that you really absolutely need. And you know what a lot of people are doing is maybe see if there's a company that can deliver those art supplies mm-hmm. to your door and then you can get them to leave them at the doorstep and then you, you pick up the package from there without ever having to contact a whole bunch of different people and surfaces. Uh, just remember, always wash your hands, with soap and water after you pick up anything like that, a package from the doorstep, wash your hands with soap and water for at least 20 seconds or, you know, a good trick, try singing happy birthday twice.
1: Absolutely. Great questions from the kids. Great answers answers from you Jeff and the experts thanks for joining us
3: my pleasure thanks guys
1: that's global senior correspondent Jeff Semple 819 on the morning
0: news with school out until further notice due to COVID-19 kids are now accessing the majority of their schooling on the computer this type of learning will present unique challenges for students with learning disabilities we are joined by a board member with the Learning Disabilities Association of Alberta Dr. Elka Walsh good morning Dr. Elka
4: good morning thanks for having me
0: Thanks for being here. I want to ask uh, just uh, off the get-go here, what is the number one issue with online learning when it comes to uh, children with learning disabilities? Can you pinpoint one?
4: Yeah, the biggest issue that um, young people who are learning online um, is really that uh, they are learning on their own. And really what that means is there is um, a a real need for them to be able to communicate with their teacher about when they're having struggles. Normally in a regular classroom, those teachers can see what's happening, see when when a student is having trouble and intervene. We've got great teachers who can see that and do that. When they're on their own and online, that becomes even more difficult. And that's where the student, their parents, and those teachers really need a really good communication lineup. Are
1: there better or more learning aids for some of these kids than, than would be presented for others, uh, you know, for, for an example?
4: Yeah, you know, in this online environment, um, you know, we're actually really lucky to live in the age that we do of technology. And so, some of these opportunities for students learning online is actually to access some of these assistive technologies. So, you know, with my own kids, we are using the Microsoft Immersive Reader, um, which helps them access. The, um, the written content, so it reads it back to them. There's also um, dictation tools that, this, that the students can use to get their um, thoughts down um, without having to write it down if they have dyslexia, as an example. So lots of these kinds of tools exist, and, it, and it's then about accessing them um, and getting the student prepared to use them.
0: And living, uh, you know, with a child in school with a learning disability, you know the ins and outs, but outside looking in, you might say, well, mom and dad are there to help. But mom and dad can't exactly replace the in-classroom teacher aid that is specialized.
4: Absolutely. And, you know, I think it's very important that we remember that those educational assistants and those teachers are the experts in this. And mom and dad can't replace the expertise that they bring to the table. And that's where, you know, we really need to to pay attention to the fact that these students who face learning barriers really do need that support. They need the experts who see them and understand the kind of interventions that they need to, to thrive in learning
1: do you have a comment on or do you think this will affect now the uh, the made the measure that was made over the weekend with uh cuts to alberta's education budget temporary they are said to be at this point but helping or or hindering the the vulnerable kids whether we're working through the summertime and uh, you know the end of this school year on our own and into next year how do you feel that's going to work
4: yeah, you know, we're only going to we're just starting to see the dust settle on this and, you know, the kids are um the Kids with learning disabilities are amongst the most vulnerable when it comes to learning. You know, they're the ones who tend not to complete high school, um, post-secondary education, and they've got then the unemployment outcomes that come with that. So it's incredibly important that mums and dads um, get active with the teachers and open that communication line because, you know, in my experience, teachers and educational aides want to be helpful. They want to be there to help the students thrive, to graduate, to go on and get good jobs. And without them there, um, this really will hinder those outcomes for those students. Um, we, we need those supports. The kids need to get access to the teachers and the educators that are going to help them um, develop the skills that they need.
0: Well, thank you so much for your time this morning. We appreciate it.
4: Great. Thank you. Take care
0: is is Dr. Elka Walsh, board member with the Learning Disabilities Association of Alberta. 8:49 on the morning news, the ASC is warning Alberta investors about fraudulent ads offering opportunities to work from home as traders in the financial markets during the COVID-19 pandemic. We're joined by manager and communications for the Alberta Securities Commission, Hillary McMeekin. Good morning, Hillary. Good morning. How are you? Uh, good. Uh, thank you for taking the time this morning because it seems like when it comes to scams, uh, they are on top of things, particularly during uh, uncertain times. So so how common is something like this uh, happening in Alberta right now?
5: Oh, quite common. Um, uh, and I guess we, I, I've been having a number of conversations with our enforcement team and, and they said this is quite common. Unfortunately, fraudsters, um, the bad guys out there, they've, they prey on on us as we become more emotionally and financially vulnerable they they recognize when we're in a place like this and so they they look for every opportunity and that's why we see something like this you know opportunity to work from home as a trader come up um and previous to that it was you know there's the latest businesses in in finding a cure or you know some sort of uh, business related to actually fighting COVID. So um, these these fraudsters are finding every avenue possible, and we just have to be diligent
1: about doing our homework as as investors and as as people. Yeah, especially in times of high anxiety, right? I mean, they they yeah. get us when we're vulnerable. So, what is this one? What is this latest scam? How what should we look for in particular? Um, in particular,
5: it is just like you said off the top. Um, they're advertising that you know there's a great opportunity to work from home as a trader, and you don't. They say you don't need experience or a license, um, but of course, whoever it is demands payment of fees. And mm-hmm. and our belief is that neither the firms or the fees are legitimate. So because what do we know? We know that anyone in the business of trading securities must be registered with the securities regulator, um, and. And to do this kind of trading, it's inherently risky and requires professional training and usually advanced software. So it's not something that you can just pick up, like the ad suggests, you know, just pick up and start doing from your home.
0: So if we get an invitation, like a fraudulent email inviting us to, to take on these jobs... Um, what would be the alert? Would it be a spelling mistake or is this something where you should just put that to the side and contact the ASC or contact somebody reputable uh, to ask about this position that's been offered to you?
5: I mean, you, you absolutely can. I mean, if you get an email or you see an ad, quite often what we're seeing is ads like in digital channels, social media channels. Um, but if if something comes to your email inbox, by all means, you know, do a bit of research. Use Google and and look up the firm, look up the company, and just see um, see whether or not they've got a fair bit of information and background. We know that there are legitimate businesses out there, and we certainly want to support them. So it's really about checking it out. And if you're not sure, if you're you know your gut's telling you, by all means, reach out to the ASC, um, our securities. Um, we could, you can check out CheckFirst.ca, our website too. Great resource um, that that also gives you a, a location to check people's registration. So if someone is offering you an opportunity, you want to check out their registration because they need to be registered to to be selling securities or offering these kinds of opportunities.
1: Great reminder. CheckFirst.ca, and if it seems too good to be true, it usually is. Exactly. Gotcha. Thank you. Thanks, Hillary. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, guys. That's Hillary McMeekin. is the manager of communications for the Alberta Securities Commission.
0: Coming up to 9.09 on the morning news, there are some staggering global projections on how many jobs could be lost during this coronavirus crisis. People are worried. We're talking this morning with Sean Simpson, the VP of Ipsos, about some exclusive polling they've done for Global. Good morning, Sean. Good morning. These numbers, again, I use the word staggering. I'm not even sure if that does it justice
6: yeah tens of millions uh, are projected to uh, to lose their jobs uh, as a result of of covid-19 and uh you know we're already seeing um more than anecdotally uh what's been happening here in uh, in canada layoffs in the tens or hundreds of thousands uh with uh, i think it was over a million now uh, applying for uh, for social assistance and as a result Um, Canadians are really um, uh, getting nervous with job anxiety having around 50 percent and in in a normal time it's usually 20 to 25 percent even in a recession it might get into the 30s so this is pretty well the highest that I've ever seen it.
1: Did you break down the numbers Sean in terms of Canadians ages you know that sort of thing and, and how people are feeling specifically or was it more just Canadians as a whole? uh well we've got we've got a little bit of demographic
6: data we know that it's more pronounced in in Alberta of course because of the uh essentially the double whammy right between covid and uh uh and the the price of oil uh unfortunately Albertans are are feeling it really more than than anybody else the other group that's feeling the the the, the worry, job anxiety more is that kind of middle income group uh, lower income uh folks uh, uh i think uh, are, are maybe more familiar and have more accessibility to 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 the support services um, uh, that uh, the government is offering. Older income people may have more reserves, uh, be able to withstand uh, a loss of employment. So it's that kind of sixty to eighty to one hundred thousand uh, dollars in household income um, that are really um, worried the most about uh, about what's going to happen if they lose their job.
0: And, of course, we have seen, as you mentioned earlier, the mammoth businesses, the big ones, uh, for example, the airlines. But sooner or later, we'll have that trickle-down effect, I would think, because of uh, you know, lack of travel and, of course, the um, um, entertainment and hospitality industries on the ground level in these cities that will be affected.
6: Oh, that's right. Um, you know, we, Cineplex, I think was one of the first to have to lay off, uh, massive numbers. Air Canada continuing to do so. Uh, Marriott, the largest hotel chain in the world has asked for, um, you know, tens of, billions of dollars uh, to, to help them uh, and the owners of their local hotels navigate the crisis. And it's really been in the last two weeks that I think Canadians have realized the the gravity of the situation. Now, Even just two weeks ago, only 30% of Canadians thought that the COVID-19 posed a threat to their job or business, and now mm-hmm. we're up to 50%. Um, you know, they've seen what's happened around them. They're feeling it personally, and now they're really starting to, to I think, panic a little bit. What's really interesting is that Canada is actually one of the lower countries that that we've measured job anxiety higher in places like Australia, France, Germany, Italy, of course, uh, uh, the United Kingdom. The only countries where it's lower um, are are Japan. You know they they came out very strongly uh, with with anti uh, COVID nineteen spread measures, uh, and uh, Russia where job anxiety is only about twenty five percent. But we've been seeing some rather suspicious numbers coming from uh, from Russia, uh, despite a rise in pneumonia cases. So uh, oh. you know it's hard to yeah hard to hard to make sense of what's happening there.
1: You didn't mention the U S. Where do they fall in these numbers? Uh, well the U S. is actually fairly close to Canada. Uh, uh, pretty well uh, on par,
6: uh, hovering around 50, 50%, but two weeks ago, they were higher than Canada. So Canada's pretty well uh, caught up to the uh, to the United States. And, you know, the question itself is interesting because it's actually more than just job anxiety and a threat to one's own job. But it's also a threat to one's the, the business that they work at. So it, it's not just about losing their job, but whether or not, if they are laid off, there will be a job to go back to. Uh, because I think a lot of businesses, particularly uh, smaller, maybe medium-sized businesses, that you know can't, that don't have a lot of cash flow on hand, um, there's some concern that they won't be able to survive this at all.
0: Something we touched on with Ipsos in the past couple of weeks is. The busy time for you folks, I mean, I would think generally you have, you know, a handful of days or a couple of weeks to uh, get your numbers, your surveys out there and get some answers. But these things, uh, you could basically be doing a, a different poll every day, couldn't you?
6: yeah and it the things the, the situation changes uh, overnight because of the um, uh, you know the news cycle is constantly being updated and and i think as canadians are are uh, at, largely at home uh, at the moment um they're craving uh, information from outside sources and so i think they're consuming news at a at a greater frequency than they otherwise um would trying to get answers. And unfortunately, there aren't a lot of answers out there. Um, and so what, what we're finding is that we've got to move very quickly with these polls and the design, the execution, the analysis, the reporting of them, because in two or three days, the context may be completely different and the, and the data um, would change. I have never seen data change so quickly um, in the span of two weeks, you know, even with just Canadians going from around 30% to 50% in terms of job anxiety. I don't like that trajectory.
1: Well, I, I think people are very unhappy and don't like what's going on in the world either. So I, I have no doubt that those numbers will continue to, uh, to climb in terms of people being worried about their jobs, Sean. Thanks for joining us this morning with your uh, statistics. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. That's Sean Simpson, VP of Ipsos.